Are you listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform where you can leave a rate or review? Do you like what we're doing? If the answer to all of that is yes, please consider quickly giving us a five-star rate. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice review, we greatly appreciate that as well. Okay, let's do this. Welcome to the Ghosts of Harrenhal. My name's Simon. And I'm McKelly. Thank you for joining us for episode 176 of our chapter-by-chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire by George Martin. Today we'll be discussing chapter 32 of A Storm of Swords. That's Tyrion 4. And as always, we're going to chat about the chapter and try not to spoil any future plot points for you. And hopefully, we'll provide you some entertainment along the way. We'll summarise what happened, discuss our thoughts on it, provide some useful background, compare it to the television show, indulge in a little pedantry, and cover some relevant news and listener correspondence. Be sure to check out the show notes. They'll provide some additional information about the characters and geography of this chapter. How are you, McKelly? I am doing just fine. I'm uh, I'm a single dad for the past couple of days. Oh, she's Stacey, finally up uh, and left. Yes, finally got tired of my shtick, and she's hightailed it out. Surprise, it's taken 23 years for her to get up the gumption. Uh, uh, Stacy's actually in training in um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, oh. where the high today was three degrees. Ooh, chilly. Ooh, yes. chilly. That's, that's three Fahrenheit, European listeners. That's very oh, cold. Yes. Yes. Thank you for... Uh, reminding me of that you Um, always forget i do always forget and um we you know we i had our windows open today it was like 60 something 60 degrees something fahrenheit so uh but i did i did a thing i don't know if i told you about the thing that i did you tell me i um i went full remote work at work i Um, gave up my office I think you told me that that was going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll never did. see you again, will I? Well, uh, so Stacy and I went and cleaned it, cleaned out my office this past weekend, just because I didn't. I I wanted to do it on the weekend, so I didn't. I wasn't, you know, walking out the the uh, you know hallway, walking down the hallways with boxes of stuff. People think I got canned or something. <laughs> so I did it when nobody was around in the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> secrecy uh, it was is weird you know i haven't really used that office much in the three years since the beginning of the yeah. pandemic but it was it was weird and sad to yeah. leave it as i was cleaning out my desk i found all these like little handwritten notes from molly from like eight Aww. years ago and Aww. you know even from little ethan because when i started at our company, Ethan was still in elementary school. So, right. uh, yeah, it was it was kind of surreal and sad. But you know, I'll give it to someone else who might use it more than I do. Do you think I, you and I are in different buildings, or I guess we were in different buildings? Do you think you might not have made that same decision? I, I think I, I think I was always destined to make okay. that decision when when it was offered. But I because, did take Stacy into your building to uh, because your building's very pretty on the inside. Yeah, and I took she had never been you in see, there. You see, mid pandemic, I moved into that pretty building, and now I'm kind of liking it. You know, now I'm going uh-huh. in more often than not, and quite enjoying it being being back there. Yeah, yeah, keeping people at arm's length at the same time. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you see, I have the word comment and question mark. I assume you know what I'm referencing there. 
there, there's a comet in the sky, right? Yes. Yes. Are you are you going to seek it out? Uh, the first night I tried to seek it out, I, I was I was miss uh, I was misunderstanding where it was in the sky, and I can't see it from my backyard because of my neighbor's tree. So oh. I need to go somewhere else. But since that night, it's been uh, it's not been good weather for it. So oh. um, I'm going to I'm going to make sure I see it, but I haven't seen it yet. I think tonight yeah. is a decent, uh, cl- decently clear. But you know night. what, McKelly? We're doing this. You know what the problem is? <laughs> I'm here with you. Right. <laughs> well, you. Know, I was thinking. You know what we need to do? We need to do like we did before. Go to that field in the middle school near my house. Yeah, yeah. Set up your perfect. telescope, and we'll look at it together. That's perfect. Let's do that. Let's so th- do the that. next clear night. Let's do it. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll ping you. All right. What do so, you got? How are you doing? What are you up to? I, I don't have much. It was it's been a it's been a dull kind of week. Um my my sister, who is married to my brother in law, not entirely surprisingly, <laughs> the brother in law who climbed the fence to pee. Right, yes. yes that brother in law. Yeah, that that sister. <laughs> Um, she wants to know what episode that was in because she wants to listen oh. to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, let us know. <laughs> yeah, it kind of cracked me up that she was asking for that. But I, I, I listened to a few episodes to try and find it, but I couldn't remember where it was. So I don't off the top of my head know. I'm hoping uh, some listener has, you know, well, I guess if they stumbled across it just recently, it will be a while yes. before they get to this one. Unless That's they're true. really That's ripping true. through episodes, <laughs> we'll have to so, wait for it. There's a there's a um, Discord channel in, on our Discord server for GOH quotes. So right. maybe yes. it'll end up on there, and we'll know. Yes, I've been, I've been really enjoying that because they often. Me too. I mean, I see them in writing, and I'm like, I have no recall of that at all. <laughs> like the Stay high Valyrian me. for pineapple. I was like, what is that about? You know? That one I remembered because we were <laughs> talking not... about Jakaris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> but I I had to go and listen to it again to find out what it was about. <laughs> yes, that was a it was a really good idea by Kebby Lebby to yeah, create that yeah. uh, that channel. So my other story from this week is, is really not it's, it's it's really mundane, but it kind of cracked me up because Carson, I, I am very I'm not slovenly, but I'm clumsy. I am clumsy for sure. <laughs> if, if I've got something in my hand, if I've got two things in my hands, I'm going to drop one of them. Okay. Definitely, right, right, right. Um, Carson was coming home from work. I think it was last Wednesday. It was raining torrentially when she was leaving her work. And she had some important papers that she had to fill in. She, she's, she's going through this accreditation at the school and she has to fill in. It's all sort of legal things. They're checking on her back. It's all background checks. So she had to be careful with these papers. So she put them against her chest and, and put her coat over sure. it and ran right. to the car. And then the drive home, it's like it's a mile. I mean, I it's it's one mile from our house where she right. works, uh-huh. um, but it was just long enough to forget what she'd done. So when she got home, she opened the door of the car, stood oh, no. up, and dropped oh, all of no. these papers, which she had so carefully avoided getting a single drop of rain onto, into a a torrent of water that was rolling oh, down no. our driveway. They were all absolutely oh. soaked. I was like, "Oh, well played." Was it your fault? <laughs> it was your <laughs> fault, actually. She talked to Stacy. <laughs> oh, 
Oh no! Well, I hope she was able to uh, recover from that. Yeah, there, there was some there was some use of uh, clothes pegs to okay. dry them yes, out. Right. <laughs> well, we do have a, a rather a Tyrion chapters, especially any chapter in King's Landing, tends to hit yeah. hard with the information. So let's get down to business, shall we? We shall. How did we leave Tyrion Lannister? So last we saw of Tyrion, he was attending a small council meeting. He was sizing up the new players in town and learning the latest news of the city, realm, and within his own family. Some of the highlights included the reformation of the Lannister army in Lannisport, Littlefinger leaving for the Vale to woo Lysa Arryn and bring her and her army to the Lannister side, and the divvying up of the spoils of war. When the meeting broke up and only the Lannister family remained, Tywin announced impending nuptials for Tyrion and Cersei, not to each other, although with the Lannisters, you can't put it past them. Yeah, you gotta clarify. (laughs) Cersei will wed a suitor yet to be determined, but the leading candidate was Willis Tyrell. Tywin had a much more specific match for Tyrion. He'll wed none other than Sansa Stark. Since then, through a Sansa chapter, we know that that wedding has happened. And is not the happiest of marriages. It's not the happiest, not the worst. Not the worst. Not exactly paradise on no. on Earth no. either. So, Michele, why don't we give the summary of this one? I think we can do that. Tyrion, accompanied by Bronn, surveys the harbor and walls outside King's Landing. It's all been destroyed from the battle. The cost of repair will be ruinous, but can't be avoided. The realm relies on this port. Tyrion figures it was him who burned most of it, so it's only fair he'd be the one to lead the rebuilding. It wasn't supposed to be Tyrion who led this endeavour. His uncle Kevin was given the task. However, with his eldest son Lancel struggling to recover from his wounds, coupled with the news of his son Willem being killed while in Stark custody, and Willem's twin Martin still a captive of Rob Stark, Kevin's grief is too great to focus on such business as rebuilding effort, so Tywin has turned to Tyrion. Tyrion can't help but hold the mess he's in against Littlefinger. He sailed off to bed Liza Aaron and rule the Vale alongside her. Meanwhile, Tyrion is stuck figuring out how to pay for everything here in King's Landing. It's not just the reconstruction costs that have Tyrion in a foul mood. His marriage has an equal part to play. He has still not consummated his marriage with Sansa Stark, and somehow half the castle is aware of that fact. What he can't figure out is if Sansa spilled the beans to her bedmates, who all work for Cersei, or if Varys' little birds have been busy. Not that it matters, his wife hates him all the same, and nothing he can do will change that. One thing Tyrion is sure of is that he wants her. Not just for her claim to Winterfell. He wants her in all the ways, to comfort her, laugh with her, hear her joys and sorrows, and to have her lust. However, he figures he has about as much of chance of that as being as tall as Jamie and as strong as the mountain. As for Shay, she seems unconcerned about the marriage. When he told her of his father's wedding plans, she'd already known, having heard through the rumour mill. She doesn't care. Sansa's a little girl. He'll get her pregnant and return to Shay. Tyrion had hoped for a little more fuss from her. (laughs) After inspecting the damages, Bronn and Tyrion make their way through the streets of King's Landing to a wine sink in a rather run-down section of town. There, Tyrion finds Simon Silvertongue. Tyrion suggests Simon take his singing on the road to Essos, specifically all nine free cities. Simon wants Tyrion to hear him sing first, 
he begins a song about a rich man with golden hands who lives on a hill and that secretly loves a common woman. A song Tyrion is not fond of. You know, me and my namesake have almost nothing in common. I mean, he's musical and he's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Simon tells Tyrion he's going to sing the night of the king's wedding. If Tyrion can get him a spot in the singing competition during the wedding festivities, he'll sing his old, well-known songs. However, if he's not part of the royal wedding, he'll try out the new material in a wine sink. Tyrion tells him that Bronn will call on him soon. Outside, outside the wine sink, that is, Tyrion tells Bronn to call on Simon in three days with news of his spot in the festivities. How nice. However, Bronn is to make sure Simon's body or body parts are never found. Bronn knows the perfect bowl of brown and flea bottom for Simon. Ooh. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, thank you, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Upon returning to the Red Keep, Tyrion learns that his father has summoned him to the Tower of the Hand. Tyrion enters his father's chambers to discover Tywin talking with an armourer and inspecting a sword. It's a Valyrian steel sword meant for Joffrey as a wedding gift, to rival the rumoured flaming sword of Stannis. The sword has a larger but less ornate counterpart on the table. That one's meant for Jaime. When the armourer leaves, Tyrion gives a report of the damages he's inspected and his inability to pay for the repairs with payments still ongoing for the wildfire and the chain and the ever-growing cost of the royal wedding. Tyrion suggests cutting back on the extravagance of the wedding, but Tywin feels it's important to show the family's wealth. Tywin makes it clear that if Tyrion can't find a way to pay for it all, he'll find someone who can. Tyrion assures his father he'll find the coin. Tywin changes the subject to Tyrion's marriage. He wants the marriage consummated and soon. Tyrion argues that Sansa is too young, but his father is unconcerned. She's old enough to be the Lady of Winterfell when her brother is dead. If Tyrion gets her with child, Winterfell is basically his. Tyrion asks about Cersei's betrothal to Willis Tyrell. Seems Mace Tyrell rejected the idea on the grounds that Cersei is too old and used. Tywin blames Olenna Tyrell for the rejection. Grandmaster Pycelle arrives with a letter from the Night's Watch with a plea for men. Castle Black has received a letter from Lord Commander Gior Mormont that the ranging was attacked and he fears that the Lord Commander might be dead. Other birds have returned with no additional messages. Tywin thinks the Night's Watch might be useful if led by the right man, and Grandmaster Pycelle suggests one Janus Slint. He commands Pycelle to craft a letter saying, King Joffrey can't spare the men right now. However, he sends his best to his dear friend, Lord Janus Slint. Yeah, I... Not to dwell on my namesake, but... (laughs) Singing that song to Tyrion... Uh, I know. (laughs) I mean... You might as well just be wrapping a noose around your neck. I mean... Right. I'm just going to put on these concrete shoes and go jump in the (laughs) the harbour. I'm going to stand right on the edge, you know. Yes. Right. Yeah, Wearing crazy. concrete shoes. See if anybody pushes me in, possibly. Yeah. But so uh, we mentioned very early in the summary, and I kept asking Simon if I thought I needed to <laughs> reiterate what I was referring to when I said damages. A question, but, listener. What damage was Tyrion inspecting? He was inspecting right. the damage to the harbor and the walls, right? Yes, right. I remember. So... um 
And if I remember, they can remember. Right. Uh, yes, that, that seems that, that seems to make sense. But so when he's out there, he's out among the masses, and he's thinking that no one's going to touch him because he's riding along with Braun. However, he feels like if he was riding by himself, the masses would pull him down and beat him over the head with a, a cobblestone like they did for... Uh, Preston Greenfield. So you can see that the the trauma of the riot is still weighing on his mind and affecting him. But but I think he's a little bit. I mean, obviously he's a bit of an eg- egomaniac, Tyrion, and sure. so he thinks the world revolves around him. I don't think he's right in this. The 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 riot that cost Preston Greenfield his head was because the people were starving. The Tyrells have basically lifted the siege of uh, King's Landing, and now there's food again. They're not, they don't like Tyrion, but they're not going to riot while they're not hungry. I agree with most of that. Yes, I agree. I don't think a riot is imminent, although Tyrion does mention that despite the Tyrells bringing in food on Marjorie's behalf, there's still outrageous inflation going on with what right. food is available. So there's probably a lot of people that can't afford to buy the incredibly overpriced food that are angry and bitter. And probably a lot of people that lost their hovels that he tore down off of the outside of the walls. And he told Bronn, Bronn says, Tyrion says, they they swarm in faster than the rats. And he, Bronn says, if you kill them, they won't swarm back in. And... Tyrion says, don't do that. But if they start building stuff up against the walls, tear that down immediately. So, but in in a kind of surprising um, departure from the typical Lannister mindset, Tyrion thinks to himself, well, I burned most of this. It's only just that I should rebuild it. And, you know. (laughs) I I don't think he meant it, though. I think what what he would much rather happen is Kevin Lannister was get get out of his crying fit and come and deal (laughs) with this stuff. Yeah, it's been a, it's certainly been a rough go for Kevin. Yeah. He's, uh, his oldest son, Lancel, you mentioned in the summary, but just to remind everyone, his oldest son, Lancel, is unable to recover from the injuries from the battle of the Blackwater, which he seemed to be recovering from fine until Cersei, like, dug her fingers into his injury, and now he can't recover from it. <laughs> um, but on top of that, his one of his younger twin boys, Willem, we know, was uh, murdered by uh, Rickard Karstark along with right. Tion Frey. And the twin brother is still in the hands of the Starks, and therefore, presumably, now now you're much more worried about their safety than you would have been had his twin not been murdered. Right, yes. Martin is, his twin brother Martin is still captive of Rob Stark, which would... Although, you know, he received a letter from Riverrun saying, your son has died, and probably saying, I put Rickard Karstark to death for the action and... Yeah. Maybe even, you know, I express my condolences or something like that. Uh, but it still would make you rather uneasy that your other son is in the same Do you Do you place. think that they did say that? I don't think we know the contents of that letter, do we? I mean, we're just, you're just speculating there. Do you think that you would have said the thing about Rickard Carstock? Because 
That's revelatory as to the state of your alliance. And I wonder if you might keep that from the Lannisters. That's a good point. I think in that Cat chapter, Rob told Cat that he was going to have to write a letter to King's Landing, you know, informing them of Willem's death. I don't think he mentioned what he was going to say, but yes, that's a good point. You could, you could, if you were Tywin, you could infer from that, oh, there is discord between the Starks and the Karstarks. I wonder if I can use that to my advantage. But maybe if, if Rob was thinking carefully, what he might say is, uh, you know, he was murdered by my bannerman. They, they were angry about an unrelated thing and they took it out on Willem. They have been punished and put to death for their crimes, you know, the yes. perpetrators. You don't even have to say who it is. It could just be some foot soldiers, you know. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That yeah. that would uh that would be the probably wiser way to go about it. Yeah. I, I I do wonder actually so it's interesting to me that Tyrion is not Tyrion, sorry, Tywin is so uh forgiving of Kevin's behavior here because Uh Tywin seems to me to be all business. You know I mean? Like he hasn't, he didn't seem to care that uh, Tyrion was injured. He doesn't seem that bothered that his, that Jamie has been captured. You know, he, he he seems quite, you know, it's always business, business, business for him. And for Kevin to sort of like, you know, withdraw from his chores just because he's sad about his sons. I'm surprised that, that Tywin is tolerating that. We'll be right back. Hello, friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. Yeah, I had not thought about that, but yeah. yeah. He must be very fond of him, I think. Right. He is his right-hand man, so I guess, you know, in a lot of ways he's the one person that he feels he can truly rely on. Certainly yeah. he doesn't think of it's um, Cersei or Tyrion because they no, both true, tend true. to vex him greatly. Yes. <laughs> but yes, you're right. It is a little bit surprising that Tywin was understanding enough to be like, no, you take the time you need to grieve. Right. We've got right. this. This, I mean, yeah, it it just it shows a slight softness to Tywin that I haven't noticed anywhere else in any other sphere of his uh, right. existence. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, like you said, Tyrion's been given the task that Kevin was supposed to handle, and I was thinking, oh, lucky Tyrion! <laughs> it's <laughs> it's quite a bit of a double edged sword. On one hand, he Tyrion thinks this his father is giving him meaningful work. However, on the other hand, it's bit of an impossible task that he is being asked to do and if it does if it fails previously it would have fallen on kevin's shoulders now it'll fall squarely on Tyrion's shoulders and and, you know Tyrion's thoughts are that the cost will be ruinous 
And then when he brings it up later to his father that he has no way of paying for this. They don't have the, the, the crown doesn't have the gold. Tywin says, well, you better, or I'll find someone that can pay for it. So, so I wonder if that's why Kevin was like, oh, I just can't take off. Yes. (laughs) I've been reviewed my list. (laughs) I'm reminded that my son recently died. Um, yeah, I will say when we get to pedantry, I have some suggestions for Tyrion for how that he might pay for this. Okay. Uh, I'm looking so, forward to hearing about it. So um, Sansa's feelings towards their marriage haven't improved since uh, the last Sansa chapter. Not entirely surprisingly. But again, I am going to keep that little flame alive that they could become a really wonderful couple. The, the the dream that Tyrion has here in this chapter of, you know, all the things that they could do together, you know, and the, the love that they that might grow between them. She just has to let go of her fantasies, you know, her right. childish fantasies. Now, yeah. he's being respectful towards her, and I hope he continues to be for another four or five years. Right. And then they can become that couple. This is my hope for them both. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I and I, I don't think that it's quite as dire as Tyrion thinks it is. Tyrion uses the word hate. He thinks that his wife hates him. We have the luxury of knowing her inner thoughts because she is a POV character, and we know she doesn't hate Tyrion. She's just she's a young woman who's been on a wild roller coaster of life ever since she left winterfell she you know she grew up dreaming of gallant knights and charming princes and she thought she was marrying her dream husband only to discover that he was a monster and then she let herself believe she might actually reach those dreams after all with willis tyrell only to marry against her will someone that she doesn't find appealing in any of the traditional ways and so you know she's in a rough place and Tyrion is the one left standing to represent all that she's lost since leaving Winterfell. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree with everything that you have yeah. said. I I think Tyrion he he doesn't get her inner thoughts like we do. I I will say you're you're absolutely right. Her innermost thoughts do do reveal that she does actually she is grateful to Tyrion for the various things that he's done for her. Right. But she just doesn't seem to be able to I mean, some of it is she's built walls to defend herself because of the horrors that she's suffered. And she refuses to let him through those walls because he is a Lannister and the Lannisters right. are the perpetrators of these horrors. And she can't, even though he's been nice to her, even though he's defended her, even though he's been a protector to her, she won't let those walls down until she's absolutely sure. I just hope that she's willing to do it one day. That's the thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, You'd like to hope that that uh, that will uh, happen, but in the meantime, Tyrion wonders if Sansa's shared not the them not consummating their marriage with her bedmates, who are all surely loyal to Cersei, or if it's Varys's little birds having picked up on this information. Uh, and we, let me we speculate on the, that, if I might. Yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> I'm going to say that Sansa is not going to tell anyone. The last, the last thing Sansa would want, because Sansa can figure this out herself. The powers that be want this marriage consummated. She and Tyrion don't. 
Uh-huh. Why spread the word that it isn't consummated? So you think it's the birds? You think I it's absolutely, Varys? Yeah, I absolutely think it must be the birds. Oh. Or, or, or some, or the the handmaids have made it, have figured it out themselves. Sansa's oh, okay. not the source of this. Sansa's not the one telling everyone. That's crazy. Yeah. Is that yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely didn't think it's Sansa telling everyone. My thought was it was. That the fact that half the castle knows makes me think it's Cersei, not Varys, because yeah. it's not necessarily how Varys disseminates info, unless his plan was to discredit Tyrion by ridicule for some long, long game plan he's yeah. playing here. And, and it, of course, Sansa could be duped into it by a cunning handmaid. If a handmaid said, "Well, what's he like in bed?" If you know right. what I mean, you yes. know, she might say, "Oh my God, no." <laughs> well one thing we know about Santa is she keeps her lips tight uh-huh. when it comes yeah, to yeah. revealing no information mistakes there. <laughs> I, I do have to say I think that Tyrion is being outplayed by characters like Littlefinger here because Littlefinger if he was in Tyrion's shoes here he would be on the offense uh, uh-huh. he would be he would be rolling out a counter narrative to the story right. that's going around and the beauty of that is you could get Sansa to play into it because if Tyrion and Sansa hatched a plot to say, oh, we've consummated the marriage. Right. Often, if, then that's a they, good, yeah, that, that makes sense. They would yeah. totally, you know, that that word would get out and then it counter, the other story dies on the vine, you know? Yeah. If, if he explained to Sansa the reason why they need to, Pretend, which, which she doesn't really need explained to her, I would think. But yeah, you absolutely. Think, but if you need to, you know, yeah. explain. This is going to be a forced situation if we right. don't say that it's <laughs> happened. So I need you to go along with this plan. Exactly, exactly. You have two choices: do this or say you did this. You know? Right. Yes. Yeah. I've we've we've often talked that Tyrion is not the best PR guy. Yeah. His. His PR game is a little on the weaker side. Yeah. But, and then later, he's thinking about uh, the fact that Tywin has gotten this knowledge. Tywin knows that they haven't consummated their marriage. And he's wondering, what, he asks Tywin, was it my sister that I have to thank for this? Or has a little spider been whispering to you? And uh, he thinks, Tyrion thinks to himself, he doesn't say this out loud, but that with all the things that have gone on beneath Cersei's blankets, you'd think she'd have the decency to keep her nose out of what's going on in my mm-hmm. marital bed. Mm-hmm. And it just got it. It got me thinking. We know, obviously know of Jamie, and we know of Lancel, but Lancel's been injured since the battle and can't leave his sick bed. And I just wonder the way he phrased that of all the things that have gone on beneath Cersei's blankets. Are there others as well? Well, yeah. It it do, it does suggest that. I mean, there was presumably Robert Baratheon occasionally. <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> Not often, but yeah. Right. So yeah. She's definitely definitely got more experience than Jamie, that's for sure, but Right, but that one was a you know, he was her king and her 
husband, and that was expected. Yes, Jamie, I, I, you know, I'm not <laughs> slut shaming here. I'm simply listing. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I just mean so. If this is the case, if what he's saying is what we're indicating, he's saying. It just reminds you of how different the twins are. You know, yeah. Jamie's only been with Cersei. He told Brienne he only wants to be with Cersei. And, you know, if this may be indicating more sordid activity in Cersei's bedchamber, she, it would indicate she's clearly of a different mindset than but Jamie. But Cersei's made that point before, that she she doesn't have the outlets that Jamie, for instance, has to, ex, you know, to express her power. Her power can't be expressed by arms, but it can be expressed by manipulating people, and that sometimes requires her feminine wiles to come to play. The the one example that I thought of there was the Kettleblacks. Weren't the Kettleblacks... Didn't Tyrion suspect that she might be doing something with the Kettleblacks? Yeah, what you're thinking of is Varys, when they were... When they met in Varys's chamber, I believe yeah. is where the conversation happened. Varys suggested that Cersei had offerings for Osmond Kettleblack that Tyrion can't match. Right, right. Which was, you know, yeah. suggesting that she is offering sexual activity that Tyrion is not capable of matching. Right, yes, yes. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, she and Jamie are different, but she also... She is confined by her gender to certain things that she can do. And True. she is trying to use some of those to her advantage. Most of them are disadvantageous to her. Right, right. So, support Cersei in this. <laughs> so Tyrion has done the honourable thing, not touching Sansa until she wants him to. Um, he is risking never touching Sansa. And also, he's certainly risking the ire of his father. Um, and and of course, the fact that this has all gotten out, he's more of a laughing stock than ever. And so, you know, there's, there's a sense of no good deed going unpunished here. The, 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 right. the more honorable he is, the more uh, the more he's treated as a fool and with contempt. That no deed going unpunished is the same thought that came to my mind right. when I thought of you know him thinking about this. You know, what all this makes me think of is. Him back in Shay's bed, a while back in a Clash of Kings, I think it was when he was he was laying there in her bed and he was thinking about the power, the title, the girl, how he had it all. And at the time, we were worried that he was forgetting that the title was temporary, as was the power, and that there's a, a highly likely chance that the girl is a performance. On you know, done for his behalf. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Audible. To get a free audiobook or two if you're an Amazon Prime member, go to our exclusive URL, audibletrial.com slash You can find the link in our show notes. Yes. Yes. Um, certainly in this chapter, he's revealing... It, it, there, There is a revelation to me in this chapter, which is Tyrion wants Sansa. He wants Sansa right. in a way that makes you think it sounds like he wants Sansa and there would be no room for anyone else. 
there would be no room for a Shea in that situation. If he were to get there, he's not sure he's going to get there, but he'd like to get there, it seems. And then where does that leave Shea? On the right. outs, for sure. Now, Shea's attitude seems sensible and possibly logical in that Sansa is rejecting him, and therefore he's going to come back to Shea. But long term, that might not be viable. Yeah, you know, I'd like to think that Tyrion would be all in if Sansa was willing, as he suggests he's all in. He he thinks to us, he thinks to himself, I want her. And he lists all the ways, you know, not just I want her in a sexual way or I want her for her claim to Winterfell, but to laugh and to cry and to share successes and failures and, and all the things. But, you know, it seems like the ball rests in Sansa's court here. Yeah, yeah, and that's we, very true. Because because Tyrion and Shay are both sort of in, in stasis waiting for Sansa to change. Their right. stasis brings them together because they they are in love with each other and i know i know you and i have a slightly different opinion of this i think i think we both think Tyrion's pretty much in love with Shay. yes but <laughs> i will say this chapter has made me realize that his love is kind of boxed you know it's not infinite right he's, he's yeah. willing to walk away but i actually believe that Shay has fallen in love with Tyrion, and i think you still see her as being uh An actor more cold and calculating than that yes i Yes, I know. It's very cynical of me, isn't it? But... Uh-huh. It is. <laughs> I... Here's here's my argument for why I think she has fallen in love with Tyrion. She she does in her profession. She plays the part, and she makes the guy believe that she's falling in love with him. I, I get that, but she has found one of the richest men in the Seven Kingdoms, and right. she is not she's not obviously repulsed by him as many right. women for instance Sansa Stark are and he has fallen madly in love with her because she's not repulsed by him and willing to sleep with him and he's good to her he's kind to her he's looked after her what what is love love is that kind of thing you know even if your motives going into it weren't to fall in love doesn't mean you haven't fallen in love. Now, she's probably still got a tough enough shell that if he goes off with Sansa Stark and never comes back, she'll bounce back from it. But I honestly believe that she's she is in love with Tyrion almost as much as he is with her. Hmm. Because of the things he provides, because of the life he can provide, not not well, necessarily. <laughs> but it, but you you're making it sound like it's purely transactional. She she wants a happy life, right? She wants a right. like like anyone. She wants a comfortable life, you know. And, and he offers a way to that, and he's good to her. So, and they have fun together. Yeah, yeah. It, I guess you just don't we because we don't have a Shea POV, which would be fantastic to get a look inside her head and what she's really thinking about Tyrion. Um, it's a matter of whether she is looking at him as her meal ticket and willing to play the part as much as she needs to in order to take advantage of that meal ticket, or if Tyrion was exiled from the Lannister family, would she stay with him if he was just Tyrion, the guy... Yeah, who he but, is. But a the lot kind of, guy, uh, the, the kind guy that loves her, you know? Right. 
that's a good lot to her men, and loves her. A lot of men and women who are not prostitutes make a similar calculation, you know, well, before they yes. settle down with someone. You know, that is true. Absolutely, you got to factor that in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it does make I think me as a as a prostitute, she is just more. That is more to the fore of her mind. There is more of a calculating layer to her than there would be to a non-prostitute, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you make solid points. It's it's really not possible to know without getting into her head. And But the thing is, of course, the thing is, of course, marriage is transactional, you know? Especially when there's a, there's a financial imbalance between the two. It's, it's inevitably transactional. If yeah, one person right. is richer than the other, then that poorer person is getting financial uh, financial leg up by marrying that person. And is that sure. in their mind? Yeah, it's in their mind. It may not be the driver, but it's in their mind. Anyway, we've <laughs> we've dwelled on Tyrion and Shay long enough. We've got other yeah. topics to cover. Yeah. So as you said, there's still some food shortages. The Tyrells have bringing in food from the Reach on Marjorie's behalf. Uh, the city's overcrowded, um, both because of the war in the Riverlands and, of course, uh, the the local the local environs have been sort of destroyed. So people have moved into the city. People can't remove, can't return home. Uh, it's too dangerous to go back out there. And uh, Tywin should look at his own scorched earth policy here as a sort of perhaps one of the reasons why certainly it certainly helped the Tyrells financially because they're the only people with a decent harvest around here now. So they can right. really make some money. This whole thing about the rampant inflation. Well, the people who are getting rich off this are the Tyrells, but, but there's a, there's a limit to inflation, right? Because if nobody can buy bread, then it, it brings stale. the price down, you know, right. Inflation yes. can't just yes. keep going, you know, I'd like to hope so. <laughs> I feel like I get poorer by the day, so I'd like to hope that it ends at some point. Yeah, um, yeah and I we talked about it earlier. I don't think that we're in store for a riot, and not entirely uh, just because the city is more uh, well-fed, but also because Tywin's in control. Right. That makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Tyrion then pays a visit to Simon Silvertongue. Uh, when when Tyrion met Shay in Varys's chamber, uh, she mentioned advising Tander Stokeworth to hire him to play to help soothe Lollis. Yeah, I remember he he was the one that filled Shay's head with the wonders at the wedding feast, and then she asked Tyrion if she could go because it sounded so wonderful. And uh, Tyrion was thinking, "Oh, this Simon Silvertongue, I owe him in a lot of ways." Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that chapter. Uh, Tyrion tells Bronn, go find Simon Silvertongue before somebody else does. Yeah. So, uh, but and, you know. Well, go, go. Go, yeah, go on. Well, I, I was just going to say, it, to me, it seems like you are in a position, Simon Silvertongue, to, to extort some money out of Tyrion Lannister. But you've got to realize that the amount of money you can extort from him is only so big before it moves over into I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And it's yes. not a very big pile of money. And a pile of money enough to get me nine dates in Essos, that's pretty good. I'll take that, you know? Right. Yeah, so what happens is Tyrion, you know, like we said in the summary, suggests Simon Silvertongue 
go off to Essos for nine years, a year in each of the nine free cities. And Simon says, oh, but you've never heard me sing. And he sings the song that we mentioned. And before he says that, before he starts singing his song, Tyrion reaches into the folds of his cloak and reaches for the the bag of gold coins, gold dragons that he has. And then as soon as Simon starts singing, he takes his hand back out without the gold. So it's pretty clear that he meant what he was originally offering. I will pay you to go away. You could live pretty well off of the 30-some golden dragons I was going to give you. Right, exactly. You you were going to become rich and you were going to be, you know, have a new start somewhere. But now, as soon as you soon as you did that, you went from being someone I can pay off to someone I have to kill. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know what? He probably hasn't seen TV shows like we have. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, he he just got he got too greedy. He he clearly underestimated Tyrion's capacity to do him harm. And I don't know, maybe I'm not looking at it the right way. He didn't sing us the whole song, but it was odd that Simon thought he had the upper hand with the little leverage that he had. When you think about it, what's the big threat? To to sing a song to a group of ruffians in a wine sink? Okay, maybe that gets back to Cersei and Tywin eventually, but compare that to Tyrion's ability to make you dead at any moment? It's pretty small <laughs> yeah. potatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, horrible miscalculation by Simon, and I, I believe we've seen the last of him. I, I really yeah. like the fact that Bronn is to go back to tell him, "Oh, we've got you a, a, a place at the wedding. <laughs> you can be one of the nine singers." Oh, and by the way, <laughs> <laughs> yes, as if you need did. a cover story for that. He he did as he promised. He said, uh, "On my word as a Lannister, Bronn will Bronn's call on you." Yes, indeed. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So Tywin, uh, Tyrion next goes to Tywin and they're exa- Tywin's examining two Valyrian steel swords. Now, the, the Lannisters for years have coveted a Valyrian steel sword. They've tried to buy them from people, as I understand it, and never been able uh-huh. to. Now they've got uh-huh. two. Uh, right. One, one's for Joffrey, the smaller one, and then one is, one is for my son, which is a charming thing to say to your other son. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, it's laughs> as always, Tywin. <laughs> <laughs> I like that phrasing. <laughs> Yeah, so I think the first question that, you know, is, uh, that comes to mind here is, where did Tywin get the steel for these swords? Right, because it's not easy to come by, yes? Yes, and and we know that they're being, that they weren't established, these swords didn't exist previously, because first of all, uh, the armorer, who happens to be Tobo Mott, Gendry's former master, uh, he... He is making the, you know, they're working on finishing up these swords and he's explaining how he tried to use this red dye that didn't take very well. And when Tyrion says, oh, I see, a sword for Joff, a sword for Jaime, and not even a dagger for the dwarf, Tywin's response is, there was only enough steel for two swords. If you want a dagger, go to the armory and get yourself one. Right. So. Right. So it's come from somewhere. It's not easy to buy. Well, it's impossible to buy. For generations, they've wanted one of these. So the only <laughs> right. thing I can think of, and I don't know if this is a spoiler, but 
Where is Ned Stark's sword ice? Well, last we saw, uh, the the headsman, Sir Ilian Payne, Payne, was running around with it. Um, didn't he use it on Ned himself? He did use it on Ned himself, uh, there yes. There you are. Okay. And it was a big sword, so it might even have enough Valyrian steel for two swords. It's possible. That is uh, certainly uh, one of the options. Well, that's not very nice, is it? No, not at all. Not no. at all. And... It, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we don't know for okay. a fact that's it, but that's the logical conclusion here. Right. And I will say that Mott, to, uh, Tobo Mott, it, he is Kahoric, like Vargo Hote. Yep. It, it, but it seems, based on the dialogue here, that Hote's lisp isn't simply a speech style of the Kahoric, because oh. Tobo Mott does not. Of course, they were talking about rubies, not sapphires. So we never got to to fully test it one to one, but yeah. it doesn't seem like it. And also, Tyrion mentions that this sword, the first sword he sees, is Joff's, and he says that's much. That is much too much sword for Joff. And I was thinking, no doubt. <laughs> what are the chances by the end of the week after Joff's wedding, either him or some random person hasn't lost an appendage to <laughs> Joff wielding that sword around? Uh, yes. Tyrion wonders if Jamie will ever live to see the sword. Tywin must think so. Uh, is it just wishful thinking, or does he have some intel? Does he know right. that Jamie's in the wind? So yeah, that's the that's a good question. Does Tywin know? We know the word is starting to spread throughout the Riverlands, so it's not unheard of for the word to have made it all the way to King's Landing. But he doesn't mention the news to Tyrion. And despite his clear dislike for Tyrion, he does let him in on most of the news. He tells him about Mace Tyrell rejecting the Cersei Willis betrothal, and he starts to talk about other ideas he has for Cersei's marriage when Grand Maester Pycelle comes in, and he lets Tyrion stay to hear about what's going on at Castle Black and what they want. So he does, he does let him stay in the know. So you'd think if he had heard that Jamie is on the loose, he would say something, mention it to him. Yep, yep. So um, the Cersei Willis wedding does not appear to be going to happen. Nope. It's been rejected by uh, Mace Tyrell. But uh, but Tyrion thinks that that was probably Olana Tyrell. Or was it Tywin that thinks that? Which, who thinks? Tywin. Tywin. It's Tywin who thinks Olana's behind that, right? Yep. Yeah, so... it. He thinks that he says Mace was kind of um, cool with the idea. He, he he liked the idea of this betrothal when Tywin proposed it to him, and then the next day came back and said, "No, this isn't going to work." And Tywin is pretty sure that Elena Tyrell was the culprit behind the uh, change of mind, and he tells Tyrion it's best not to tell Cersei that there was ever an offer made, and, and there is. There is some sense to that. She knows of the Willis Sansa plot that they that the Tyrells thought that Sansa was worthy enough right. to marry Willis, but Cersei is not. And you know, if she were to learn that, you know, might she hold it against Sansa? Take take it out on on <laughs> Sansa. That's uh, you know, she's. I had no idea who you were going to suggest there. I never even thought of Sansa as being the... But but now you've said it, yes, she would blame Sansa, you're right. You know, she's... she. 
if she found this out, even though she doesn't want to marry Willis Tyrell, she couldn't help but probably be, you know, kind of hurt by it. So that you've got a a stung, angry, axe to grind Cersei. That's a a rather dangerous. um, Yeah. But but that's kind of her default, right? (laughs) True. (laughs) She's got an axe to grind. It's just a different axe. (laughs) You also wonder if maybe uh, Tywin was saying, do not tell her that this offer was ever made because he's afraid she might poison the Tyrell alliance. Uh, True, true enough, yeah. Um, So who might she get married off to? Because Tywin was about to talk about that when um, Grand Maester Pycelle arrived on the scene. So uh, we don't know who he was going to say. Right. All he said was, I have some ideas. Yeah, so... uh, Last chapter, though, he mentioned a few names. Oh, that's right. After that small council meeting. Who did he mention? He mentioned Oberyn Martell, who's the younger brother of Prince Doran Martell. Uh He he mentioned horror and slobber red wine. (laughs) And he he mentioned possibly Theon or Balon Greyjoy. And I think it was Tyrion described uh, Cersei's lips as going white or something like that. <laughs> this, the news of possibly Balon Greyjoy being her future husband. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, you know, speaking of Olena, though, Sansa has told Olena and Marjorie how horrible Joffrey is. And it would not be too hard to deduce that Cersei might be cut from a similar cloth. So. True. The apples don't be... often fall far from the tree, right? Especially, Especially when, when the... the tree is married to <laughs> is married to its twin, right? Exactly. Um, so Tyrion expresses quite a bit of concern about paying for the repairs. Tyrion, Tyrion doesn't want to hear it. He just wants someone to solve the problems. There's plenty of money. He should be able to do it. I will say actually that um, there are some. Well, like I say, I'll I'll, de- I'll delay it until we get to pedantry because I think it's worthy of pedantry. What I'm going to say, okay. Because there's, there's, there's things you shouldn't be paying for at this point. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, yeah, Littlefinger did mention way back in an early Ned chapter in A Game of Thrones. It was actually the first thing he did when he got to King's Landing, Ned. He went to the small council meeting where Littlefinger mentioned that the crown is six million gold dragons in debt. Three of which, three million, not three gold dragons, but three million gold dragons of that was to the Lannisters. And Tyrion says, are you willing to forgive the crown's debts? And Tywin says, uh, don't be ridiculous. Right, so right, right. some of the other sources of debt that Littlefinger mentions are the Tyrells, the Iron Bank of Bravos, some Tyrashi trading cartels, mm. and the Faith themselves wow. that he's borrowed from. So... Uh, wow. There's nobody left to borrow from. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, I was thinking there might have been some kind of knowledge transfer between Littlefinger and Tyrion when Tyrion took over as Master of Coin that explained some of this. But then, you know, maybe Littlefinger doesn't want to reveal the mess he's allowed the finances to become. So, but then, you know, Tyrion says you add the, the chain, the wildfire, and the wedding to the costs, and there's just no money left. Yeah. So Tywin brings up the consummation of the marriage. uh, Tyrion argues that she's too young. Tywin says she's old enough to be the Lady of Winterfell if we get rid of Rob Stark, so you need to get busy, because basically if if she's pregnant, you are the Lord of Winterfell. 
Right. And that's a result for the Lannisters, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, think of how much that would expand their, the you know, their power yeah, in the realm. Exactly. Yeah. They'd almost have a stranglehold on the realm. They'd have yeah. the north, the west, the crown lands, and the reach to a certain extent. Yeah, and and even the veil if Littlefinger comes through. Right. Yeah. It'd yeah. be they would secure it. That all, of course, is if Rob Stark dies. Right, right. Yep. Tywin yes. keeps saying she's the Lady of Winterfell if her brother dies. Right. But you've got to say that the the end game here is Rob dying or Joffrey dying. Right. It's hard to imagine them both coming out of this safe and sound. Yes, that is true. You play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die, I believe. Good point. Yeah. Um... There's a letter from Castle Black asking for help. The wildlings are moving south in vast numbers, as we know. No mention of the others. Um, and that makes Tywin unconconcerned. Yeah? They're... Yeah. You could understand that. I, I mean, could totally understand that. What does Tywin care that there's wildlings moving south in vast numbers, you know? So the, so what? They'll run into the 700-foot wall. Right. <laughs> you know? Why you do you need my soldiers? There. I'm in the middle of a right. war. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh the <laughs> birds returning to Castle Black without letters have put everyone on alert up there. They're expecting an attack. Uh, but no one's going to listen to the uh, to the problems of the Night's Watch. But they do come, They do hatch an interesting plan of putting a, a, a loyalist of theirs. I'm not sure right. how loyal he's going to be to Tyrion, but a loyalist of theirs uh, <laughs> in charge of the Night's Watch, if Lord Commander Mormont has died, which appears to be the concern. That exactly yes, Tywin, ever the opportunist, uh-huh. sees a chance to add yet another entity to uh you know to his payroll here un- under his thumb. He'll, he'll uh, marry Marcella off to Mance Raider and complete the whole set. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe that's who he can marry Cersei off to. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Marcella's supposed to bring Dorne into the fold. That's Cersei's yeah, the still yeah. wild card here. Yeah. He's got to figure out where best to uh, point her. But I will say about this letter that is sent from uh, Bowen Marsh, who's the Castellan right now at Castle Black. Uh, Grand Maester Pycelle mentions that the letter references that it's gone out to all five kings. Yes. And I thought, maybe, maybe you want to tailor each letter to that specific king, you know? So I wondered if maybe Maester Eamon was not proofreading this or uh, who who put this letter together, but it seems like a rather fatal flaw to mention yeah, yeah. all five kings in one the, letter. The worst mistake was Joffrey was on the two line and all the other kings were on the CC line. I was like, <laughs> Come on! <laughs> uh, but yes, back to Slint. Uh, Ty- Tyrion thinks it's a terrible idea. But uh, it's actually Grand Maester Pycelle who mentioned it uh, because, you know, he's got an axe to grind with Tyrion. So borrowing it from Cersei. <laughs> yes. But uh, so but anyway, it, of these kings, of the, the five kings, there's really only Joffrey that is likely to respond because one, Renly's dead. So he's not going to respond. Uh, although the ghost of Renly uh, Baratheon was out on the battlefield in the Battle of the Blackwater. So true. You know, maybe that. Respond. Yes, uh, it's it's unlikely that Balon Greyjoy is going to respond. I mean, it's unlikely he even cares, even though Cotter Pike, the uh, 
the commander of the uh, East Watch by the Sea is Ironborn. Right. I don't really think he's going to, that would factor a lot into Balon Swan deciding to uh, bail out the Night's Watch. Stannis is already on the brink of destruction. Yeah. He's lost his whole fleet. He's clinging by his finger. Tips. Uh, you know who Rob could send? He could send the uh, Rickard Carstark and the other murderers. Oh, yes. Oh, wait. Great. No, no, no he can't. No, that's not going to work. Yeah, so it, they, we don't know how much uh, Bowen Marsh knows about what's going on with the, the North, but if he sent a letter to Winterfell, this, it, it's going to be returned to sender because <laughs> yes. there's nobody home. <laughs> if he sent it to River Run, if he knows Rob's in River Run, Rob can't get back north to help even if he wanted to. Good so. Point. Good point. Well, do you have some background for us, McKelly? I do have a bit of background. Uh, today, we are going to talk about the Lion King. No, not Simba or Mufasa, for that matter. Rather, uh, King Tommen II Lannister, who was nicknamed the Lion King. Oh. He was the king of the rock in the days prior to uh, Aegon's conquest. And Tyrion, in this chapter, Tyrion thinks of him when thinking of the previous Lannister Valerian steel sword, Brightroar. And as Tyrion tells us in this chapter, the sword was lost when King Tommen took it with him on his journey to Valeria to find the wealth and sorcery he thought would be waiting for him within the smoking ruins. So, what happened to King Tommen? Well, Tyrion tells us that he was never seen from again, and that is true. However, there were some reports of Tommen's fleet as it made its way to Valeria. According to a Valentine chronicle called The Glory of Volantis, his fleet stopped in Volantis for supplies. There, he was showered with gifts from the triarchs who run the city. King Tommen II promised that when he returned from Valeria, half of all that he recovered would be given to the triarchs for their support, as well as sending in their fleet to aid him if needed. The following year, Triarch Marcello Tagaros sent ships in the direction the king would have taken on his way to Valeria, looking for signs of the Lannister fleet. However, nothing was ever seen again from the fleet or King Tommen II Lannister. So we'll expect to see them in the Winds of Winter then, presumably. Yes. Comparison with the television show, uh, most, most of this is dropped. Simon's silver tongue is completely dropped. The two Valyrian swords are deferred for a whole season. There's a whole season will go by before those swords appear. Oh, um, okay. The only bit that really survived is Tyrion's money worries. Uh, and the show brought that out in a scene, not with Ty- Tyrion and Tywin, but with Tyrion and Olana uh, Tyrell. Uh, again, oh, getting again, Diana Rigmore yes. to screen time. Yeah, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and basically, he's saying let's pare down the wedding, and she's saying no, 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 no. The only reason the peasants don't throw us, you know, don't overthrow us, is because we do a bit of pageantry. But she okay. agrees to pay half the uh, costs of the wedding. So, but she absolutely outplays Tyrion at all. At every point of that conversation, she outplays him, and he's left <laughs> utterly bemused when she goes. So. <laughs> um, good stuff yeah uh, pedantry corner um, how much do you have to pay these pyromancers I get paying workmen to do work as they're doing it but once they've done it if you're the Lannisters who always pay their debts start paying them they only needed money to do it 
once they did it, you don't have to keep giving them money anymore. Set them up. Give them a royal warrant to be the pyromancers for all eternity. Give Helene, you know, a manse somewhere and enough money to live on. And that's it. That's all you need. You stop. I, I don't understand why there's a huge debt. Ditto the chain. The chain, all they needed was the money to buy the metal and then payment for making the chain. You shouldn't right. be in huge debt over this. I don't understand it. Could it be that they are making payments instead of lump sum, you know, making recurring payments instead of one lump sum payment? Well, clearly, but A, <laughs> if I'm the chain maker or Helene, I don't accept that. The reason I want payment for this is because i got to pay these people. Yeah, I need it up front, my friend. And secondly, default on those payments. The realm is in tatters. You have no money. Right, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. What are they going to do if you... What are they going to do? Exactly. We're going to have to defer this payment until the realm gets in better. Exactly. I, I just... Straight. Yeah, there's no there's no two ways about it. I just don't understand why you would why you would even worry about those debts when you've got things right. you have to pay to happen now. You pay for yeah. those now and worry about the debts tomorrow. And you have more pressing debts like, you know, to the Iron Bank and to the Faith and things... Uh, entities that could affect you more negatively. Exactly, that could actually defaulting. put a squeeze on you. Yes, yes, right. for sure. News and notes. Well, it wasn't a very news-heavy day out there in the A Song of Ice and Fire world, or week, I should say. Uh, I, I disagree because of what I see written on this sheet. Yes. So let's talk about GOH news. <laughs> uh, I don't know if everyone has, has gone out and looked. I, I put it on all of our social medias, but we have a beautifully designed new shirt that was designed by the incredibly talented artist, Jenny of Old Stones. Yes, round of applause for Jenny. Uh, I, um, I was very impressed. It is her, uh, her first effort that she is... Uh, produced of uh, goh artwork and it's very cool it is it's it's beautiful i'm definitely getting myself a copy of that one it's really nice yes and it's out there on our threadless site so go check it out it's in t-shirt form only right now but i'll I'll look to expand it to uh sweatshirts and other things as i get time to and we got a review on apple Podcasts by angry johnny's running buddy uh (laughs) which it was entitled hour of joy (laughs) Not to be confused with the Tower of Joy. Not the Tower. Yes, I know. I like. I like the. I like the pun he made. Um, yes. Well, or she made. I mean, Johnny sounds like a fella, but Angry Johnny's running buddy could be a lady. So that's true. Just just discovered these wonderful guys in a moment when I was hoping against hope that George Martin is going to finish the Winds of Winter. This podcast is a perfect and eminently interesting in quotes way to fill the time <laughs> while we wait. The two hosts brings much joy to it, and their genuine respect for and friendship with each other makes it an enjoyable listen through and through. If you've already read the books or seen the show, it's particularly funny to hear them dance around potential spoilers while they strive, which they strive not to reveal. Thankful that these guys have seen fit to put this much time into the project and hope for that all their apparent love for the work inspires George Martin to finish the story that has brought so much joy to so many of us. Yes, can you imagine, McKelly, if we were to influence George Martin? We were the influential force you know behind what? Winds of Those Winter. poor guys making that podcast. I should really finish this book. <laughs> well, I'd, nice like, I'd like him to you know, put that at the beginning of the book. Yeah. I was really struggling. Yeah, yeah. To McKelly and Simon. 
<laughs> Thank you for being the inspiration behind <laughs> finishing this thing. And and to Angry Johnny's running buddy for, for bringing it to my attention. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Angry Johnny's running buddy, thank you. That's a very, very kind review and we appreciate it. Yes, thank you so very much. Yeah. So let's conclude finally. Uh, it's uh, it's nice for Tyrion to be doing something useful. This is definitely playing to his strengths. You know, you've got to give him a meaty task to you know, to set his teeth on and he will go at it like the sewers in uh, Casterly Rock. Yeah, Tyrion is, he's a very capable person when given a task and he takes his tasks seriously. So it is good to see him be given a a true useful task here, even though it does also feel a bit like Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah. Come up with the funds to rebuild. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Redirect those funds elsewhere. Yeah. It's not so nice for Tyrion that he needs Ron as a bodyguard at all times, especially when it was largely he that saved the city. Bunch of ingrates. Well, true, true. Although he was also the one that tore down all the the uh, lean-tos that have been put up against the uh, outer part of the You're gonna wall. You're going to make an omelette. You're going to make an omelette. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. A few, a few eggs might not make it through that yeah. process. And as I said, it's sad for Kevin, but I do find his unable to function due to grief a little bit odd that Tywin swallows it. He must be awfully fond of him. Tywin would not tolerate that from anyone else that I can think of. No, especially not his, the replacement. Uh, right, his person. children. He would not tolerate it from. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time discussing Sansa and Tyrion's uh, marriage and how do they come together to coexist as a married couple? Is there any chance of success with the the specter of Shay hanging around them? Yeah. Anytime there's discord between the two of them, is Tyrion going to run off to Shay? I will say he was upfront about it when he told her he wouldn't touch her till she wanted, and she said, "What if that's never?" He said, "You know, that's why God made whores for yeah. dwarfs like me, or something like that." But it would be nice, as you said, as you said, they they could come together to make a a really smart couple if both parties were willing to put in the effort. Or possibly a a power throuple. (laughs) Bring bring (laughs) Shay in? Well, you know. (laughs) All right. Let me let me set it out for you, Tyrion. Okay, I, Sansa Stark, am willing to commit to this marriage, but we're not doing that. I'm just telling you. <laughs> now, Shay, I like. Bring her in. She takes care of that. Yeah, sure. Everything works. Yeah, I get it. I, I see. I see how the pieces fit together here. Yeah. And the Lannisters well, have finally got their hands on Valyrian steel swords. Uh, some boon of victory from the Battle of the Blackwater? Can't imagine there were too many Valyrian steel swords flashing around there. Yeah, you know, Tyrion mentions that there's as many as 200 swords still in the, you know, in the realm. Maybe one of the lesser houses that they had tried to buy their swords before, now they've basically just taken it. Or another another option, which you pointed out, is uh, Sir Ilium Payne, the headsman, is running around with one of the largest, rarest uh, swords in all the realm. Is that possible that maybe Tywin said, give me that thing. What are you doing running around with that? But the the flip side of that is, I mean, it's just absolutely the final disrespect to the Starks. If oh, that's what gosh. you've done. 
I mean, yes. now you're going to have to fight the Starks until they're all gone. There's no more. Right. There's no possible conciliation. If you've melted down ice, that's too much. That's that a lot. Much. It's definitely. Who have we got next time? Well, next we are off to uh, visit Sam. North Samuel of the Wall. Tarly? So- Samuel Tarly, right. So, you know, we'll get an idea of whether Lord Commander Mormont is alive or dead and yes. whether Janus Slint might be a... a God help you know, us. But there might be an opening for Lord <laughs> Janus Slint to step into. We, uh, we will see, I guess. Well, good. There are three ways that you can help us. You could leave us a review. Uh, you could buy some merchandise, including the lovely new shirt that was designed by our very own Jenny of Oldstones at ghostsofharrenhall.threadless.com. Or you could buy us a cup of Arbor Gold at buymeacoffee.com slash ghostsharrenhall, where you could become a sustainer at the Lord Paramount or Knight of the Realm level and get lots of lovely benefits. That's right. And of course, you can reach us at ghost.harrenhall@gmail.com. But we'd also love if you go out and follow us on our social medias at on Twitter at Ghost Harrenhall. We're on Facebook, Instagram. Please come join the conversation on Discord. We have a lot of fun there. And don't forget, please go subscribe and listen to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.